Hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Grind Culture Detox podcast, where we reimagine what our lives can look like outside of the vicious cycle of grind culture. And for folks who are tuning in for the first time and are curious about what grind culture is all about, it's basically a vicious cycle of toxic productivity that has gaslit us into believing that we are only valuable based upon how much we are able to produce in society. And grind culture is an epidemic in our society. It is ravaging our mental health. It is ravaging our homes, our families, our perception of self, as well as our planet. And enough is enough. And so this podcast and the book that I wrote, The Grind Culture Detox, which is available wherever books are sold, tell a friend. Um, This is me doing my part to interrupt this vicious cycle. That being said, to detox from grind culture in a society where it's basically the elephant in the room. We can find grind culture in all aspects of our systems, whether it's in our education system or within our work environments or within our family lives. Um, It does take a very much of a warrior mindset to prioritize your wellness um, in this society. And that's what the grind culture detox is all about. It's about not prioritizing your productivity as much as you prioritize your wellness. It's making that bold declaration and saying, I deserve to be well, first and foremost, in a society that really wants you to produce and give away all of your essence, basically, in the name of productivity. So with that, a warrior mindset is required and tools are necessary. There are certain tools that are necessary with detoxing from grind culture. And today I want to share some information around working with divine feminine energy as we get off of this toxic hamster wheel of grind culture. When I look at my demographics around the folks that are the most aligned with this work, it does tend to be women. Um, My demographic is somewhere in terms of like uh, women and femmes who tune in to this work is somewhere between like 80 to 86 percent. And so I think it's really fitting to um, to bring in the divine feminine into this conversation, specifically the goddess. And so I had created another series called the goddess keys and it i'm feeling called right now to share some of this work on the grind culture detox podcast because when we tap into the divine feminine essence we learn some really amazing lessons and particularly when we tap into some of these more fierce goddesses which is the ones i tend to highlight um, we can gain strength and we can act from a place of power even in a society that wants to gaslight us into thinking that we are powerless. And so I am going to share with you an episode I previously recorded for the Goddess Keys on Egyptian goddess Sekhmet. And I'm really excited to share Sekhmet with you. Let me know what you think about it. And um, if you're interested in the work and the content, Consider donating um, to the podcast to keep it going and to honor the labor. 
And also check out my services at thrivingwithheather.com. I'm actually really excited to be launching a retreat and group coaching program in Peru, June 2023. And so um, the retreat is in Peru and the group coaching program is a mixture of in-person and online. But the name of the program is called Sacred Leadership. And it's all about reimagining and re-envisioning what leadership can look like, particularly in today's society and so many Un, with so many unknowns and sometimes it can feel like there's a great deal of trauma that we're navigating and so a sacred form of leadership is required to get us through over the next few years and so I can't think of another goddess that embodies sacred leadership more than Sekhmet and um, I'm curious to know what you think after you listen to the episode And so always remember, of course, that thriving is your birthright and enjoy learning about Sekhmet. Welcome, welcome to another installment of The Goddess Keys, where we talk about all aspects of the divine feminine and provide you with tools and jewels on your liberation journey. And today we're gonna talk about goddess Sekhmet, Egyptian goddess Sekhmet. And one thing I'd like to note about this series and when we think about the goddess keys and the keys to the goddess, understand that this is not something that is outside of you. It is, these are keys that we're locking within our subconscious mind. And so these goddesses are accessible to us all in different moments in our lives. And so each goddess has a different medicine to share. And today we are going to honor Sekhmet. And so before we begin, I am gonna start us off with a singing bowl as well as a prayer to Sekhmet. And so the the singing bowl that I'm playing is and centered around the heart chakra it's made out of the crystal morganite which is kind of like rose quartz it's kind of like rose quartz's grandmother and so it definitely supports us with getting into our hearts and sekhmet is a really great deity to help us get into our heart space sekhmet lady of the place of the beginning of time Sekhmet, whose essence is fire, tempestuous forever. Great one of magic, grant me success in my endeavor. Blessed be the name of Sekhmet, beloved her image. So take a moment to take a deep breath in. Hold and release and so i'll be doing a mixture in this segment i will be sharing some information from the book what is sec Sekhemic energy by dr neb heru and uh, so that's part of it and i'm also going to share some of my experiences with sekhmet and also how this goddess relates to the times that we're currently living in 
and so um and then i'll also provide some tips around how to work with her how to invoke with her, how to invoke her this deity holds a special place in my heart they all do actually but um at every one i do a video on holds a different place in my heart but uh, I am definitely, I feel like I have Sekhmet on my head and I, I want to share information about her. And I kind of want to set the record straight about her too. I feel like a lot of times the stories that we hear about Sekhmet are so limited and just really a sliver of who she actually is. And so uh, a little bit about Sekhmet, um, she is among the most powerful of all Egyptian deities. She is the protectress of the divine order. But Western culture, I feel, views her in a very negative light. And I'd like to talk about that. I'd like to actually open up with the story that maybe you have heard about Sekhmet. And I want to provide another lens from for hearing this story. So essentially, Sekhmet is the daughter of Ra, the sun god Ra. And before she was Sekhmet, she was the goddess Hathor, which is the goddess of love and arts and music and all the beautiful things. But Sekhmet is not that. She is the goddess of healing and she's also the goddess of war as well. And uh, she was enacted, she was created to become the Eye of Ra. And basically what was happening at this particular time is that the Egyptians were not they were out of balance. They were living out of order and balance. They were living out of Ma'at. And essentially, and they weren't listening to Ra, the, um, the sun god Ra. And so Ra was like, okay, we gotta do something. And so Sekhmet appeared. And Sekhmet is a lion-headed goddess and she rules this solar plexus. Most people will say she just rules the solar plexus. I would argue she rules the solar plexus and the heart chakra. And I'll share a little bit why about why I think that a little later on. But essentially, Sekhmet appeared, this lion-headed goddess who had a who was very vengeful. She had a, a, a big wrath to her. And so since society or civilization was basically out of balance, they weren't respecting each other, they weren't respecting the planet, she went on a rampage. She went on a killing rampage. And she was bloodthirsty. She was thirsty for blood. She was insatiable, basically. She kept killing, killing, destroying, destroying. And all the gods got together at the time and they were like, look, we got to stop her. She is not ever going to quit. And um, there's a lot of death happening. And I think we should put our heads together and figure out something to do to basically get her to chill. And, you know, they were like, okay, so how are we going to do this? And basically they came up with the idea of, okay, so she really is bloodthirsty right now, but we know that when she's Hathor, she is the goddess of love, music, a lot of fun, also wine um, and beer too. And so they're like, okay, let's get some beer and let's put pomegranates in it and um, some other herbs and make it look like it's blood, right? And we'll spread the blood everywhere or we'll spread this beer, uh, this red beer everywhere and make it look like blood. And, you know, maybe we can get her drunk and she'll pass out. And that's what they did. And uh, she saw the, the red colored beer and she started drinking it. And sure enough, she passed out. And uh, when she woke up and realized what had happened, um, 
she got pissed off. And so she was like, oh, okay. You, you guys think that you're just going to make a laughing stock out of me? So she, she ran away and she was like, well, I'm done. And, um, you know, she kind of turned her back on civilization for a bit and she had to be coaxed into coming back. And, um, yeah, basically people were like, okay, no, we need Sekhmet. We can't, she can't just like leave. Like, you know, um, she is so important to our society. So anyway, they got her to come back. And um, that's kind of the, the general story that we hear, which really tri trivializes her. It basically makes her sound like this bloodthirsty monster who just like to get drunk and like kill people basically. <laughs> And so we got to think about when we when we think about these stories about these fierce feminine goddesses, we also got to like really think about what perspective they're being told from. So it really goes back to history, his story. Okay, so at this current time, we live in a very patriarchal society. And um, a goddess like Sekhmet is really scary. You know, it's not something that we really want to think about because we are in a time right now where we are living very much out of balance. We're li living very much out of alignment with the way nature has intended. And, uh, you know, many would say we're living out of Ma'at. And um, the, Vedic, the, the Vedic scholars say that we're living in a time called the Kali Yuga cycle, which is basically when everything is like really out of balance, up is down, black is white. And um, the Kali Yuga cycle will end soonish and um, take us into a more elevated state of consciousness. But in order for the Kali Yuga cycle to end, destruction must occur. So when we think about Sekhmet's story in this particular time in human history, a lot of folks, you know, don't really want to think about her like that. They kind of it's it makes more sense to trivialize her story because to think about the fact that there might be this like really wrathful goddess, right? That wants to restore balance by any means necessary. It's kind of a little scary, I think, for the powers that be, right? So anyway, a little bit more about uh, Sekhmet. She is the counterpart of the god Ptah, who is the creator god. And um, she is both the goddess of war and the goddess of love. So this is another gem to really consider is like, war and love are two sides of the same coin right and so there are degrees in love right so you know you could be really smitten and in love and you get to a certain point where um that love becomes something else right that love becomes vengeance that love becomes destruction and so it kind of goes back to that whole saying that there's a thin line between love and hate sort of thing and that's why I would say that she definitely, as well as ruling the solar plexus, she rules the heart chakra too. And the thing about the solar plexus and the heart chakras is they do share a very special connection with each other. So if your solar plexus is out of balance, chances are your heart chakra is out of balance. Like they do a certain dance with each other. And, you know, your solar plexus has to do with your willpower, your strength, your inner fire, your inner sun. And so Sekhmet is the daughter of the sun god Ra, and she did spread fire and vengeance all throughout. You know, she definitely exerted her will during the destruction of humanity in this in this myth that I just shared. However, she also um, the thing about it that I would really like to uh, highlight is that 
she did the destruction in order to restore balance, right? Like people were out of alignment with the way that they were living and they had no interest in shifting. And so at some point, the divine feminine had to come in and regulate, okay? So she's also the goddess of protection, medicine, childbirth, destruction, death, and rebirth. So she doesn't just destroy just to destroy. She destroys to restore balance and so that um, something more fruitful can be rebirthed in its place. And so uh, she is also called the lady of the place of the beginning of time. Okay, so the thing I wanna say about her destruction is that her destruction is always there to seek balance. Um, so her action is always the right or appropriate action. So when she destroys, it's always what is needed at this time. So, um, and that's what, what, what happens with a lot of these dark feminine deities is that they do destroy to create, you know, like they understand when it's time to for dissolution to happen so that something else can be rebirthed. And I want you to think about forest fires for a second. So I visited the um, the Grand Teton National Parks right next to Yosemite National Park in Wyoming. And um, I did that a couple years ago. And something really beautiful that I saw when I was there was there was, there were a lot of trees that were destroyed by a forest fire. And yet the amount of beautiful new growth that sprouted up from um, that, that forest fire was amazing. I mean, it was just beautiful, lush plant life that was growing right after it. And that's because there's this thing that happens when like that destruct, when fire occurs, it actually provides like, it makes the land more fertile. And so that's a really great way to look at the destructive tendencies of a goddess like Sekhmet Yes, she destroys. Yes, she has a very violent and vengeful side. And yet um, wh what she destroys doesn't stay dead. It actually grows back more fruitful than, um, than where it originally started. And another example of this would be like vol volcanoes. Anywhere where there's like volcanic action, that's a similar thing where the land is just gonna be more fertile and um, there's gonna be more lush plant life that grows there. And that's because of the destructive fiery quality of volcanoes and what it causes. So just kind of thinking about that too, a lot of times in our society, we're afraid of endings. And yet sometimes the endings are needed in order for something more beautiful to emerge. And so, a few more things about Sekhmet. She protects the good and annihilates the wicked. She destroys that which no longer serves us and brings healing to the world. So she, I mentioned earlier, she is a lion-headed goddess and she's also associated with the star Sirius. So there is some like extraterrestrial activity too. So when we think about the cosmos, she has this kind of cosmic energy as well. And um, I mentioned earlier that she rules the solar plexus, but one thing about the solar plexus that's important to note is that um, in the book, actually, What is Sekhmetic Energy by Dr. Neb Haru, uh, he does mention that the solar plexus is actually the seat of the subconscious mind, which is pretty interesting because, so the solar plexus is our inner sun. It's also the seat of our willpower. And so if we think about the fact that the solar plexus is also the seat of our subconscious mind, then what that might indicate is that 
when we're not tapped into our personal power, then we're also, we don't have control of our subconscious mind either. And so Sekhmet can support us with that. But she also supports us with activating our heart space. Sometimes the sacred rage is needed in leadership. And um, when we think about having a warrior heart, right? Like even when we think about like gang, you know, gang or gang violence, right? Um, gangs in the streets, a lot of times they, they make the, they make the comment like he has heart, they got heart, you know? And they're saying like, this person is a warrior and they fight from their heart. So the heart is very much associated with war. And so she definitely, when she destroys, she does so from a heart space. Um, it doesn't really indicate that in the mythology that we currently know about Sekhmet. And yet I would say like pre-patriarchy, I think her mythology was, was quite different, okay? And um, I also now wanna talk about something that we don't hear enough about with Sekhmet is, and that's her healing capacities. And this is really only scratching the surface. She is a Pandora's box. And I will say from my own experience working with her and working with Sekhmet energy, which I'll explain in a bit, it really did just elevate my, my spiritual awakening. And um, it really helps to enhance my capacities as a healer. So if you are kind of, if you are a healer and you do work with people to help, you know, and do energy healing, and, you know, if you do coaching, if you do stuff related to wellness, you might really want to consider working with Sekhmet's energy, Sekhmet's energy in the form of Sekhmet Reiki. And so a lot of times when we hear about Reiki, we hear about it from like a Japanese perspective. And yet in the comedic times, they also had Reiki and it was called Sekhmet. Okay, and it derived from Sekhmet's name. And so I wanna talk a little bit about Sekhem. Okay, so Sekhem means power. It means absolute energy and life force. So in the yogic sciences, this would be called prana energy. So it has a lot to do with breath. It has a lot to do with our subtle bodies and our subtle energy fields. And the Taoist schools of thought referred to Sekhem as chi. So this, it's the unseen, it's also known as ether. So ether has a consciousness, even though we can't see it, um, it is there and it is shaping us and that is Sekhem energy. And so that's what Sekhem Reiki has to do with. So Sekhemic energy is responsible for creating a magnetic current energy around your body. And it actually charges your electromagnetic energy field or what is known as your aura. And so some ways that you can enhance Sekhemic energy is Sekhem Reiki. And so if that's something you're interested in, um, you know, you, you might want to consider doing a, a, a Sekhem Reiki course. Um, I also am a certified Sekhemic Reiki practitioner. So if that's something you're interested in learning more about or receiving a session, you can contact me in the link in the description. And um, you can also connect with her through deep breathing, pranayama breathing, and connecting with positive thoughts so you can become more magnetic. So this goes back to the fact that the solar plexus rules the subconscious mind. It's like the seat of the subconscious mind. So connecting with Sekhmet, strengthening your relationship with Sekhmet can support you with having more control and autonomy over your subconscious mind, which could help you to increase your magnetism, right? And make your energy really work for you. 
And so um, I want to provide a really quick breathing practice to kind of tech uh, to really tap in with Sekhmet's energy. And so what you want to do is you want to deeply breathe in and hold your breath for five counts and then exhale. So take a deep breath in. Hold for five. And exhale. And you could do that for a total of 10 to 15 times. And doing that practice alone provides a great deal of benefits within your day and you're connecting with Sekhmet that way. Okay. And let's see, is there anything else I want to share about Sekhmet? I lastly, I want to say that um, another thing about her power and magnitude and the impression she left on the ancient Egyptian culture is that actually no other Egyptian deity has as many large stash, statues as Sekhmet does in, in ancient Egypt. And you can find them mostly in the area called Karnak, okay? So she's pretty, she's pretty heavy duty. And so the last thing I'm gonna leave you with is a mantra or what is called a Hekau in ancient Egyptian times. Um, so Hekau means words of power. And it's just the same as saying mantra, which they say in the Vedic, uh, spiritual pantheon. So um, the word of power for connecting with Sekhmet is Sa Sekhem Sahu. Sa Sekhem Sahu. Sa Sekhem Sahu. And so I want to break down what the, those um, words mean. So Sa is breath of life. Sekhem is power. Sahu is force. So when you say sa sekhem sahu, you're basically saying breath of life, power, and force of Sekhmet. And so um, I hope that this was helpful to you on your goddess keys journey. I'll be uploading some more videos. Let me know in the comments if uh, you, there's anything you wanna add to the conversation. We're all learning together. And take care until next time.